Good morning, Central. Good morning. Thanks for everyone here this morning. Good morning, Central. Good morning. I welcome everybody here this morning. I'm glad to see everyone here. Uh, I want to say real quick before we get started, thanks to everyone who got us through this weekend. We, uh, yes. Amen. Friday night we did the live stream of Esther, and yesterday we did our clothing drive, which was amazing, giving out clothes. We saw, I lost count of 90, though we saw a lot of people and helped a lot of families. We could not have done it without the help of those ladies right there and everybody else in this church. spent some time with her and we all talked about her down and prayed with her and then Kelly prayed with her and then uh, she decided to give her life to Christ. She came up last night to, uh, yesterday to the altar and gave her life to Christ. She's going to be coming to church so we'll be seeing her soon. That's what it's about. Even though he gave lots of clothing away, that's what it's about.
everybody doing today? Well, it's a blessing to see everybody here today. I'm so glad everybody's here. I know you really came for the food, but I'm going to give you some spiritual food. How about that? Again, I just want to thank everybody for Friday and Saturday. Um, for those of you who missed Friday night's live stream broadcast of Esther from Sight and Sound, amazing. It was amazing. There was a lot of tears, a lot of laughter, just amazing. And then yesterday was amazing, too. Well, as you know, we're still in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 12. Last week, we got real far in chapter 12. We got through verse 1. <laughs> and guess what? Today, we're only getting to verse 2. Um, I, the reason is I cannot skip or skim or just lightly go over the first two verses of, of Romans, chapter 12. Because if we do... The rest of what Paul's going to say to us won't really impact us like it should. Um, so I decided that these are such powerful verses that I'm going to spend two entire sessions just on these two verses. Um, I didn't, my, my idea was I didn't want to cheapen the value of what Paul says in these first two verses. There are so many words in these first two verses, it's amazing. So, uh, Romans chapter 12, we're going to read them together again, verse 1 and 2. And Paul says this, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present yourself, your bodies, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We talked about that last week. However, now we're going to talk about, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I want to read that verse one more time by itself. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, when I read that verse right there, if I was to pass out a piece of paper right now to everybody, and I was tempted to do that, and after you've read through this verse, and you write down what jumps out to you right away in that verse, if I was to ask you right now, when we read that verse, what's the thing that jumped out to you? Somebody just give me what, what pops out to them. Renewing our mind. Renewing our mind. What else? Anybody? Is that what pops out? The, the power of this verse is really in the statement right at the beginning. Do not be conformed to this world. Honestly, that kind of jumps out at us when we read that. As soon as we read that, we're like, do not be conformed to this world. And we're like, yeah, that's right. Don't be conformed to the world, right? But half the time, we don't even know what he means. We know it means, you know, don't do the things the world does. But um, I think we need to investigate this statement. So that's what I was going to do today. We're going to investigate this statement and exactly what Paul is saying right here. So let me give you a reminder of a definition. Now, I didn't put this up there, but I'll read it to you. This is the definition of conform. It is a verb. And if it's past tense, it's conformed. It means to comply with rules, standards, or laws. The synonyms for this word are comply with, abide by, obey, follow, keep to, stick to, adhere to, uphold, heed, accept, to go along with, 
fall in line with, defer to, these are all synonyms of that word. Now, if, if conformed is being spoken of to as a person, its definition is to behave accordingly to socially acceptable conventions or standards. So if I say conformed, and Paul is using conformed here to speak of us, the definition of that is to behave accordingly to socially acceptable con conventions or standards. So that's the world's definition. So uh, I know most of us do that. I mean, most of us know what the word confirm means. I just want to kind of give you a refresher before we jumped into it. So Paul is saying, do not be conformed to this world. Pretty simple, right? Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. I was like, that's pretty simple. But, but I wanna, we're going to go a little deeper here and look at this. And maybe, maybe this is some rebellion coming out of me. But my response normally is when I hear Paul say, do not be conformed to this world, I'm like, why? Why? I have to ask why. Why? Why? Why would I not want to be conformed to this world? But it's a whole, I mean, I meant for this Apostle Paul to say to you and I, hey, don't be conformed to this world. Have you ever asked why? Have you ever stepped back and thought why? Other than the obvious, if you ask why. why. Why would Paul tell us that? Why would Paul tell a Christian to not be conformed to this world? And fundamentally, there's nothing wrong with asking why. There isn't. Sometimes I think we're afraid to ask why when we read scripture. We just like, that's what it says, that's what it is. You know, as Christians, sometimes we're very like, that's how we are. And, and, and when we go by this, and I think we read this and we're like, that's what Paul said, that's what it means. But I, I ask why. I ask why all the time. I'm like, well, why? Because I think the question that we ask gives us a better understanding of what Paul is trying to tell us. And so, well, as believers, how I'm going to give you the answer is we're going to go to the Word of God. It's not going to come from me. We're going to use scriptures. And we're going to see what, what does the Bible say? How many of you know what the Bible says about the world? And when I say world, I'm not talking about this big blue marble of a planet that we're floating on. Right. When I say world, and when Paul uses world, he's referring to the system that operates in what he's talking about. So, what does the Bible actually say about it? Has anybody ever checked? You know... The world in which we live in is uh, it's set apart from the kingdom of God. Would you agree? This world that we live in is, is different than the kingdom of God. Um, it's actually, you know what? It's actually the kingdom of man, I suppose. I mean, we know who the ruler is. We're going to look at that. I want to show you this real quick out of Scripture. Let's look at a few of them. This is 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. And it says, in their case, the God, little g, of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. What do we learn from that verse? Anybody know? We learn that that this world has a ruler, right? And he's referred to here as little G, God of this world. You might stop for a moment and if you're not terribly familiar with the Bible, you might ask yourself, when it talks about the God of this world, is that talking about the God that we serve? 
You know, the one who saved us in Jesus Christ, is that what the one is talking about? Okay. So it's obviously not talking about that. When we look at the characteristics of the God of this world, we see things in here. His, his purpose is what? To blind people? To blind our minds so that we don't see the gospel. Well, that's obviously not the God that you and I serve. Right? So there must be another small gene God. I like that small G. No, small G. But this God of this world is in the position of rulership over that world. How many, how many have actually thought about that? That he is, that little G is in the position of rulership over that world. And when we go and study the word long enough, if you've read the scriptures long enough, we know exactly who that is. I mean, it doesn't take long to figure out that Paul's referring here to Satan. The devil, the adversary, whatever you want to call him, who was called in scripture numerous times, what? The God of this world, right. He is the temporary ruler of this world. That's the first thing we learn. And we have already ran right here. We run smack into one of the reasons why we do not want to be conformed to this world. Right there, it smacks us in the face. To be conformed to this world means that you want to be conformed to the rulership of the devil. So there's a reason right there why we don't want to be conformed. I mean, right off the bat. And that is probably the the most probably the most reason or the why most of us would never conform to the world. That one right there. Most of us. I'm going to show you another one. This is 1 Corinthians 3.19. This is A. I just talked about it off. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. Folly is just another word for foolishness. That's all it is. Um, here's another reason to not be conformed to this world. Oh, back up one. Thanks. Because... It's foolishness to God. Right? The world is foolishness to God. It is, uh, God considers all of it foolishness. The wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. Can we look out there today and see that? Can we see the wisdom of this world? And because we're believers and, and we we were in a scripture and we, we look at things which we're going to talk about from a different kind of mindset. When we look out there, we can understand that statement. The wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. But I want to show you another one. Here's another reason to not conform to this world. For the present form of this world is what? It is passing away. That is another good reason for you not to conform. It's passing away. I mean, if we're going to conform ourselves to something, why would we conform to something that's passing away and not conform to something that is eternal and never-ending? That's what Paul's talking about. But, in fact, this world is passing away. Again, if you look out there, you can see the budding of it starting to happen. This world is foolish. It's craziness. But we're going to talk about, I'll say this, you know, it's, it's foolish. They say don't conform to it, right? But then the Lord said, well, I'm going to make you live in it. Yeah. <laughs> you ever thought about that? 
He's like, don't be conformed with it. It's foolishness. It's passing away. But you're going to live in it. And we're going to talk about that. Paul's actually, this whole beginning, this second verse is going to talk about that. Okay, one more. 1 John 2, 15 through 17, most of you probably know this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is, again, he even reminds us, the world is passing away along with its desires. But whosoever does the will of God does what? Abides forever, right? So he's reminding us. But John gives us a, a particular warning in this passage. The warning to believers not to love the world. And I like to remind you of the fact here that John is not writing this letter to unbelievers. This was not written to non-followers of Christ. This was written to Christians who are living in the world. Just like you and me. Just like that. People who love the Lord, who are born again by the Spirit of God, but who have to live in this world. Now I'll say this. This is our temporary residence. It's not our permanent address. We're going to talk about that. But for now, this is where we live. Correct? I mean, does anybody else not live here? Okay. I was making sure. What he's saying is don't become so captivated by the world around you that you actually begin to lose your relationship with God. And I can look out every day constantly and see Christians who have allowed the things of this world to interfere with their relationship with God. It happens every... I've caught myself... Oh, ooh, the pastor. I've caught myself <laughs> going like, wait a minute, whoa, I, I am letting something in the world get in the way. It happens to all of us. And, and, and I have to believe that John is writing a warning that's a reality. It's a reality. You know, he says it here because it's fact. It is fact. There is not probably, I, I was going to say, there's probably not one Christian in this room who this has not happened to. But I want to say this because, you know, some people have taken that to mean some other things that, you know, salvation can be lost. You've been around Central at any point in time that I've been here, you know I teach the Bible, and the Bible says you cannot lose salvation once you have it. Alright? It does mean, however, you can lose your effectiveness in this world. You can break that relationship and you become non-effective. That is what can happen. Then maybe, I hear people say all the time, well, is there someone that can walk, just keep on walking that point until they don't have salvation anymore? I say, you know what, if somebody can willfully walk away in sin, then they might want to go back and check because they might not have had it in the first place. Because yes, as Christians, we do sin. But I don't wake up in the morning going, I'm going to go sin today. I don't wake up in the morning going, you know what, I know the Bible says don't do this, but yeah, I'm going to go do it anyway. Now, I will sin, 
because we're broken, but I don't sin intentionally. That's the difference. So if someone is intentionally sinning consistently, you might want to go back and check where you stand with salvation. I wanted to make that clear. This is not talking about that. But what it is talking about is our effectiveness. And we can become that. The point, the point of all this is this is a very real possibility. That you and I can become captivated by this world. And that we could desert the Lord in a very real sense. And I, that's the warning. How many of you remember what Paul um, wrote to Timothy in his second letter? If you don't, I'll remind you. Paul, Paul knew he was very near at this point to going home. And when I say home, it was going to be with the Lord. Because he knew his death was imminent. It was going to happen. Um, and he wrote about that fact. Remember that he was basically alone in prison? Remember him writing about that? Um, and he made reference to one of his companions. Does anybody know which companion I'm talking about? No? No? This is one a lot of us don't even think about. Demos. How many have heard that? How many have read that in 2 Timothy? Ah, ah, yes. Demos was not only a believer, but he was a companion of Paul. And he was a man who loved God. I'll read it to you. 2 Timothy 4.10. It says this. I don't know if I didn't put it up there. No. Do I have it, Mike? Okay. It says this. For Demos, for Demos in love with this present world, had deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. He says, in love with this present world, he has deserted me. Paul wrote this. He, he, this man loved God. He was a believer. He was a companion of Paul. But something, something got a hold of his heart. And it was the love for the things in the world. And, and because he had a love for the things in the world, he had walked away. Now, how far he walked away, we don't know. We're not told. How, you know, he, he walked away from his devotion. He walked away from his commitment. He walked away to, from his service to the Lord. And he left Paul in prison alone. Now let's apply that to today. How many of you can look at yourself and think, you know what, I did walk away from sometimes from my commitment to the Lord. I walked away from my, my service to the Lord. I walked away from that relationship to the Lord because I saw something in this world that I wanted more. We all do. Nothing wrong with admitting it. So we have to agree that the Bible gives us a lot to think about as it relates to the world. It does. Constant. And you and I, as it starts out, should not conform ourselves to this world. I could go on today and honestly, I could give scripture after scripture about this world and why we should not conform to it. But I will say we should not conform to this world. We should not conform our lives. We should not conform our thoughts, our attitudes, our relationships, our business practices, or you name it, anything, we should not conform it to this world. Nothing. Nothing to this world. But, you know, this very verse that we're looking at right here in Romans 12, it even gives us a reason 
Why not to conform to this world? It does. But this time, it's a positive reason. Why not to conform to this world? Look again at verse 2. What's it say? Verse 2 says again, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the, what is the will of God, good and acceptable and perfect will. He says in verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but, but, I love that but, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right? Here's another reason. Here's another reason. He says, because, here's the reason, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. What is good, acceptable, and perfect. That's kind of like a fringe benefit. That's what I like to say. If I transform my mind and not conform to this world, I'm going to know the will of God. What is good and perfect and acceptable. You know, when people read this, this right here gets their attention. You know why it gets their attention? When we start talking about the will of God, you know what? People be like, well, will of God. You know why it gets their attention like that? Ah, who said that? They want to know. Absolutely. How many of you here want to know the will of God? How many here have asked yourself the question, what is the will of God? Hmm, we're going to talk about that. I get that question all the time. Pastor, what should, what should I do about my marriage? What should I do about my children? What should I do about my job? What should I do about my house? What should I do about a job offer? What they're really asking me is, what is God's will for this? That's what they're really asking. What is God's will for this? Everybody wants to know God's will. We do. Well, here, Paul tells us it's a benefit of not being conformed to the world. And that benefit is you can have greater understanding, a greater perception of what the will of God is. Probably going to pay attention here, right? Because we all want to know what the will of God is. We're always asking. And Paul's telling us, you can have a greater perception if you do not be conformed to this world. Now, here, here's the interesting part. You need to understand in this some of the words that he's connecting you. There's some things we need to understand. If you look at verse 2, and I'm in the ESV, I don't know what translation you're in, but there are, uh, there's six words in the ESV. It says this, here's the six words. That by testing, you may discern. Your Bible may use different words, but six words, right? But those six words are only one word in the Greek. One. One word. It took our English language six words to write the one word in Greek. And that's not uncommon. If anybody studied Greek or Hebrew, you know our English language is terrible. And we have, we have like poor definitions of everything. But the Greek and the Hebrew, their, their language is deep and intricate. And one word can mean one of ours in a whole sentence. 
It took us six words to say what the Greek said in one word. One word in the Greek. Anybody, just by chance, does anybody know what that word is? I, okay. One Greek word. Tokamatsu. Sounds Japanese, doesn't it? It's not, it's Greek. It's dokimatsu. Yes? D O K? I am A D Zio. Dokimatsu. It is not Japanese, it is Greek, I promise you. It is a Greek word. And it basically carries the idea. I'm trying to think of how I want to word this to you. I wrote notes, but I don't like the way I wrote it. It basically carries the idea of finding the worth of something by actually using it. You understand what I mean? Like, you find how valuable something is by actually using it. When you, yes, it, it's an amazing word. You know, it's, you know, we, what it's saying is, you want to know the will of God? How about walk in the will you already know? And then the unknown will be revealed. That's what that word means. We know God's will. It's written right here through pages upon pages of the will of God. What that word means, what Paul's saying is, you want a, you want a benefit? Then walk in the will you know. And the will you don't know will be revealed. That is such a powerful word that we have used the English to go this way with. And you know, God's will is something that, uh, that, you, that we learn about. Right? As Christians, God's will is something that we learn about. And it's something that's revealed to believers. But I love this. Paul says it's even revealed farther when you walk in the will you already know. That's powerful. You want to know the will of God? You want to know what God's life has in your marriage? How about walk the will you know? And that marriage will will be revealed. If you live the way in your marriages, the way the Bible tells you to live your marriage, do you think you have to ask how God wants my marriage to be? The more you live it, the more it reveals. That's the word. That is, it's, it's so powerful. We don't, we do it all the time in the world, we don't think about it. When you want to buy a car, what do you do? You test drive it. Why? Because you want to see if it's going to be the car I want. You just don't go online and be like, hmm, that one. No, you use it to see its value. That's what this means here. It's, it's amazing. So in other words, while we're already conforming ourselves to his will, to his will in this world, he will begin to reveal it further. Now I know to a lot of Christians sometimes that's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. I, they, you know what? I've been told this. They want to be shown God's will first. You know, that's you know, they. And you know why? Yeah, Woohoo! Yes. They want to be shown God's will because you know what? I want to decide if I want to do it or not. That's exactly why. Honestly, I've had people come up to me and say, I want you to know. I want to know what God wants me to do here. What they're saying is, 
Tell me what God wants me to do so I can judge it and decide if I want to do it. And that's the truth. They've actually said that to me. They're not just saying, tell me so I can do it. We want to judge it. No. What's God's will in this situation? Well, I take him to the word, you know, and, and I'm not just throwing out words here. I mean, I've watched people say this. I have. Maybe not in that exact wording, but their response is, you know, when, when, listen, when I tell them the revealed will of God to that question is this, and I'll go in the Bible and I'll get the address and I'll, I'll say, you know, chapter, verse, this is what the will is because we know what's in here, right? And then they read it and they'll go, it's bad. <laughs> I mean, I've literally had them say that. And then sometimes I've had them not say it with their mouth, but you ever see that facial expression? You know, you know, this is what the Bible says, and they're like, okay. And, and you know, so they want to know God's will ahead of time. That's why we want to know it ahead of time. So we can figure out whether I want to do it or not. But see, God tells us, no, you know the will of me. Walk in that will, and your the rest of the unknown will will be revealed. That's completely opposite to what we are. Trust me, we don't do any... Why do we ask people questions? Because we're a creature that wants to know something so I can decide whether I'm going to like you or not. Or I'm going to decide whether I want to judge you for some things. That's, that's why we want to know the will of God up front. I want to know if I want to do it or not. How about when they're already doing it and you say no? Oh yeah, that's a good answer too. Like, <laughs> so here, here in, in what the single Greek word means, like I said, it means the more you walk out the will of God, the more the will of God will be revealed. It's an interesting concept, but it is essentially a secret to knowing and having the will of God in your life. That's what he's saying. And then some people are like, well, how can we just, we just said it. Well, how can I know God's will if it's not revealed to me? You know? How am I going to know? Listen, loved ones, I said it a minute ago. If anybody ever comes to me and say, how am I supposed to know the will of God because that's been revealed to me? I hand them this. And I say, I'll tell you what, go home and read this because the will of God has been revealed to me. We don't have to question what the will of God is. Right from the pages of Scripture. And... There is a lot of things in here for us to get started on, right? I mean, a brand new Christian, you come to Christ and you're like, you're all excited and happy and you feel the joy, you feel the love, and you're like, what do I do? Just read. There's a lot in here for us to get started on. And the promise from the verse we just read is, the more you walk down the road of God's will, that's right here in these scriptures, the clearer the road ahead will become. Isn't that, that's, that's amazing, isn't it? What else can you walk in and then become clear? Oh, who said that? Faith, we're going to talk about that. So you guys with me on that before we go any further? You understand what that word means? Make it clear enough? Rather than coming to me and saying, I want to know what the road ahead shows, we just need to get busy walking down the road that we know. Right? Walk down the road that we know. 
And, and that road is revealed to us right here in Scripture. And the rest will be cut. So, we have, as you go, let me say this, as we walk in the will that we know, okay, we have to understand, though, we live in this world, right? And, before I get a drink, here's the world we live in. I want it now, I want it hot and ready, and I want to pay five bucks for it. <laughs> All right? That's the world we live in. We have this idea that I should have it now. Right now, because I want it. Right? So that's the world we live in. I mean, we want everything quick. And, you know, we, we think that everything has a shortcut. We do. You know, I can pop on my phone right now and get anybody, anything I want to get. Here, I'll give you a prime example of shortcuts don't work. I'll jump on my phone and get some news. Uh, do I have to say anymore? No. All right. So, sometimes, I, sometimes this is going to shock everybody. Sometimes, there's no shortcuts. I mean, I don't mean to upset you. But sometimes, there's no shortcuts. You know... This is kind of the way God works. Right? There's no shortcut to God. Right? It's kind of the way He works. The more you walk something out, the more you get of that thing. That's not how the world is. The world is, I don't have to do anything, but I want it right now. Completely opposite. You said it. Faith is another element of that. See, when you walk out your faith in God, and people here I know have walked out some faith. And when you walk out your faith in God, the more you walk in that faith, the more, guess what? Your faith is built up. And I know people here who can testify to that. So, there is one aspect of this verse that you probably thought I was just going to skip over and keep on going, though, and I'm not. Because how many people know I don't skip nothing in the verse? It is the Paul where Paul says to be transformed by the renewing of your minds. You're like, wait, kind of covered this, right? I mean, I told you not to copy the behavior of the world or the customs of the world or whatever you want to call the world. Just don't be like it, right? I mean, is is that isn't that what Paul's talking about here? Is that what he meaning what we just read? What he said there? I mean, isn't that enough? Is, it, is that not what it means to renew your mind? No? I love it. I don't no, you're right. It actually does not mean that. It has nothing to do with that. When, when you think about people who uh, are not conformed to this world, let's think about people. Just for a moment, right now, in your mind, today, in today's life, I want you to think about somebody in your mind who does not conform to this world. We can see them every day, right? Uh, where some groups or people have decided I'm not going to conform to what they're doing. And you know what? Today, we can really find some people out there. I can think of one right off the top of my head, and that's not from today, but they always jump out of me. It's the Pharisees. They didn't conform to the world they lived in, did they? No. You know, they, they, they missed the mark, but they didn't conform to the world. Why did they miss the mark? Hmm. Yeah? But it's because 
their minds were not transformed and renewed. This is what Paul is going to tell us. Or, you know, they weren't re the mind wasn't renewed to the image of God. So, so they just wallowed around in their legalism. But they didn't conform to the world. They pulled back from it. I, can, I got a really good group, and I love these guys. If you've lived in Pennsylvania, especially in this side long enough, tell me one group right now, there you go. They, they Amish. They do not conform to this world, do they? Right? They look different. They act different. They don't conform to the world. But, does that mean that their mind has been renewed? Or that they're trans or, you know, transformed? Hmm. So, we have to ask ourselves a question. In that what he is asking of us. Let me say this. Let's put some light on the Amish situation. What do they drive today? What are they not allowed to drive? Cars. What did we drive 100 years ago? So did they... Are they conformed to the world or are they not conformed to the world? Because a hundred years ago we drove horse and buggies. But now we drive a car, but they don't drive a horse and buggy because it's conforming to the world. Yet it was part of the world at one time. Okay? So you see what I mean by not being transformed? They're stuck in a legalistic, pharmaceutical idea. But it has nothing to do with what Paul is talking about. This is where we get confused. This is where radicals arise. Okay? Those far, I won't even call them religious, sects, secular ideas where they go completely to the far side of everything and they become a cult. Because they, they're not conforming to the world, right? They don't. They don't conform to the world. But did they renew their mind? No. So we have a good understanding of that. So... Paul is going on now and saying that you and I are being transformed by the renewal of our minds. And obviously in that statement are two words that we're going to look at. Transformed and renewal. Because we hear them all the time, but I don't think we really, really hear them. So, we're going to look at this. So to better understand what the Apostle is saying, so I'm going to ask everybody this question. What does it mean to be transformed? Okay? I'm going to give you the Greek word here. What's that? Made into something new, changed. So, the Greek word for transformed, that is the one that's translated right here in Scripture. You ready? Metamorpho. Metamorpho. We've heard that word before, haven't we? That's where that word comes from, actually. Metamorphosis. So... It's a familiar word, right? It's where we get the word metamorphosis. And who knows what a metamorphosis is? Okay, it's a change. It is the act. Let me give you the definitions. I love definitions. It is a change of the form or nature of a thing or person into a completely different one. By natural, here's the key, or supernatural 
devices. That is, this is exactly what Paul is talking about. When he says to you and I to be transformed, he's saying, I want you to be involved in a metamorphosis. I want where by you being changed from the old to the new, I like this, from the you to the him, that's what Paul's talking about, about transforming. You're being transformed into the image of Christ. And that's a really beautiful thing when you think about it. Do we not always talk about the beauty of a butterfly? How it goes in as this nasty little hairy caterpillar. And trust me, there's some nasty hairy ones out there. Just like what? Just like us, right? Before we came to Christ, some of us were pretty nasty and hairy. Alright? But then we go through this metamorphosis and we come out the other side like a beautiful butterfly. I love that Paul chose that word. Or like I should say the Holy Spirit chose that word. I love it. Because it gives us a clear indication of what he is saying. Alright, so there are two things that we know about this transformation. First of all, it's not a physical transformation. That's yet to come. That's yet to come. Okay? You know, Paul actually uses this same Greek word that we have right here to refer to our bodies when he's talking about, when he refers to the coming of Christ, when Christ returns, when he will transform our bodies, okay, from these lowly bodies into these new heavenly bodies. He uses the exact same word. But that's at his coming. That's not here. That's yet coming. So, we know that the transformation that we're involved in is not a physical transformation. That's the first thing I want you guys to remember. It's not physical. The second thing we learn about this transformation is that it is gradual and ongoing. Okay? Let me show you a passage to help you with this. Should have, yep, this is it. face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is spirit, right? So not only does this verse tell us that this transformation is gradual and ongoing, but it also tells us what the goal is of that transformation. What's the goal? What's the goal? Ah! To be like Christ. To be made into the image of Christ. That's the goal. That's good to know, right? Okay, I was making sure. Because we know exactly what God is transforming us into. We don't have to ask. Do you think... Here, look at the butterfly. And I love using nature because God created it. Think of the butterfly. Every single species that has this little hairy worm thing knows exactly what it's going to transform into. It's not going to be different. It's not going to alter. A monarch butterfly is going to be a monarch butterfly. That's the idea here. We don't have to guess what God is doing in our lives. We know what he's doing in our lives. He's transforming us to be like the image of Christ. I, I get a question all the time. I love this. People ask me all the time. 
when we become Christians, here you go. When we become Christians, am I, I going to lose my personality? That's honestly me laugh. I get that question. Am I going to like lose my personality? No. You're not going to lose your personality. I mean, from the standpoint that, that it's the uniqueness that you are. You know what I mean? But, but the character of you gets transformed. You understand what I mean? To the image of Christ. So, what was the other key word I wanted to talk about? Transformed and... Renewal. Ah, somebody remembered for me. Renewal. Had a long week. <laughs> renewal. How many know what renewal is? Okay. So he says that by being transformed by the renewal of our mind, or your mind, we talked about this, if anybody remembers, way back in a series we did about our thinking. Anybody remember that? You might remember. We did a very long series about changing how we think. That's what the same word is. Paul here is saying, Paul is talking about changing the way you think. And I think it's probably a good thing for us to do that. I, I think I think in an area in our lives, definitely in mine, I need to change the way I think. That's what Paul's talking about. He's talking about the way that we formulate something. He is talking about the way that we look at the world around us, the way that we think about the world around us. How do you think about people? How do you respond to people? When, when they make you mad or they make you upset, how do you respond to them? This is the kind of stuff. How do you, how do you think about God? What do you, how do you think about life? How do you think about death? How do you think about money? Or lack of it? How do you think about the things, material or otherwise? How do you think about these things? What is your thought process? This is what he's talking about. And this is impactful because Paul's saying that you and I need to have a change in our way of thinking. We literally need to be changed. And I'm, I, I want to say this. Here's the question that we need to ask ourselves almost every day, loved ones. Even though, even though that I understand this is a gradual and an ongoing process, right? We understand that. That God is doing to me. Where I am right now, right now, where you are right now in your walk, does my thinking more resemble the world or more resemble the Lord? That's a question we need to ask ourselves. Do I think like the world around me, or do I stand out as a unique biblical Christian who thinks like the Lord? Can, who can answer that question, honestly? I, I can. Sometimes I don't. I'll be honest. I, I'm not going to stand up here and act like I'm a, you know, some pastor's perfect. I am far from perfect, people. But I love the Lord, and I realize that, and I know who makes me perfect. Okay? But I will say, there are times I've looked out there and I'm like, my mind is in the world. And I need to stop and change that. How many of you remember the gospel accounts? I'm going to give you a gospel example of this. Uh, the one time when Jesus was up, uh, 
He just got done telling the disciples that he was going back to Jerusalem. Okay? But, and this time it was going to be different when he went back. Why was it going to be different? That's right. He was going to be handed over to them and beaten and crucified, right? And do you remember what Peter's response was when he got told that? Peter was kind of angered by the idea, right? He was angered. He actually pulled Jesus aside and rebuked him. He rebuked him. He said, Lord, I rebuke you for even saying such a thing. How many of you remember the Lord's reply to Peter? Woo! But he turned to Peter. We're going to read it together scripture. But he turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are now setting your mind on you are for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Hmm. Wow, that's a response. Isn't it? Think about it. Because you know, I think every I think, you know what, I think every one of us can relate to what Peter did there. I really do. I think we can relate to that, right? I mean, that's my Lord, right? I mean, I can relate to that. Because, because we understand what it means to think like the world. We do. We do. And I think that's why. So what happens is, is we actually put ourselves in a position. What did he say in that scripture? We can become a hindrance. To the Lord. A hindrance. Isn't that what Jesus said to Peter? You're a hindrance to me? Now he's not saying that you're going to hell and you're not really a child of God or anything. He, he, he does reveal who's behind all that. You know, in the beginning, get thee behind me, Satan. He reveals it. But now he's talking to Peter and he's telling Peter, you are a hindrance to me. Think about that, people. A hindrance. Because he was thinking like the world, he became a hindrance. So, you, me, I, us, when we think like the world, we're standing in the way, hindering the purpose and will of God in our lives. Why? Because we're thinking like a man. When I say man, I mean everybody. We're thinking like the world. We are thinking with this base, limited perspective and limited understanding thought process. Rather than being lifted up, walking the will we know, and getting the understanding of the will of God. But we would rather do it the easy way. That's what we want, right? We want everything easy, right? And, uh, you know, sometimes I'll say this. Sometimes we're not open to that either. You know, the fact, and now in fact sometimes we'll resist at that point. We will. We're, we're you know, we know we've been a hindrance, and we know we're hindering things, but we'll resist it. We will. It's just what we do. I mean, I don't, I don't want to be a hindrance. Believe me, I don't want to be a hindrance to myself. I definitely don't want to be a hindrance to the Lord. But, it is very possible that 
if I don't take very seriously the calling for us in the Word of God to be transformed, that I will become a hindrance. It is very, very possible. Now, by the renewing of our minds, letting the Lord renew us, and I can't think of a better way than to just dig into the Word, be honest with you, you want to renew your mind, we get up in the morning and the first thing we do is crack open Sharon Herald, turn on CNN, flip on MSNBC, whatever we do, right? Are we? Re is that renewing your mind? Yeah. Let me ask you something. Again, is that renewing your mind? Think about the question. Yes. It is absolutely renewing your mind to the wrong way. If you don't think that they know that what if they want to instill a thought process or a way of thinking that I challenge you to watch CNN only for the next 30 days. Think your mind will be renewed then? Yeah. Absolutely it will. So yes, if you want to renew our minds like Paul is talking about, like we're called to do, fill it with this. And I promise you, this will renew your mind. Absolutely will. And you will begin to have a biblical mindset. That guides and directs us. I mean, do you want to be guided and directed by the Bible or do you want to be guided and directed by Fox News? You know, I mean, think about it. Do I want to be guided and directed by the Bible on how I treat my wife, on how I treat my kids, on how I treat my family, on how I treat my business? Or do I want to let the world renew my mind and let me know how to do that? Because I can tell you right now, the world's idea of a family is not there. All saying how we think about everything needs to be renewed. I firmly believe that if we if we read and accept the Word of God, if we read and accept this Word of God, it will change the way we think. I firmly believe that. It'll change how you react to people. I firmly believe that. You think differently about them. It just happens. There's nothing you can do about it. You think before you were renewed by the word, I promise you, we had a lot of things to think about a lot of people just by looking at it. Did we not? I'll give you a prime example. You want to know, you want to know what kind of mindset somebody has? Watch them drive a car. <laughs> they actually, this is a base study in psychology, they actually did this. Okay, do you, you guys know those four-way red lights, right? That, that are tripped when you pull up, there's a thing in the road and it makes the other light change. Okay, you want to know the attitude of somebody, and we do this, I know you do, so in the back of your head you'll be like, this is me when I'm done. So we're driving along in our car, right, it's a four-way, and, and you know we're both looking, we're all looking from a pretty good distance to see who's coming, right? And we're like, there ain't nobody coming, alright, nobody's coming, my light's going to stay green. We're trucking all, and right before we get to the light, somebody pulls right up there and hits the switch and our light goes red. You want to see what people think about people? Right then, watch them. Because almost every one of us are like, oh, come on! Don't you? Oh, come on! Why? What? Why? You know why we do that? I'm going to ask you, you know why we think like that? There you go. Because we think we're more important than that person. We think where I got to go is more important than where they got to go. Want to see how you think? Try that. Look at it. Watch yourself. Because see, 
when I think that I am more important than you, then I'm thinking like the world. Because when I think that you are more important than me, then I'm thinking like the Bible. Here's what we should be thinking when that happens, is somebody flies up to that light, or comes flying around us with road rage and whipping it out of cars. Yes, I know it's aggravating. I have an issue with it. All right. But when you see it happen, instead of going, oh, why, you know, maybe that person has to get to the hospital. Right? Yeah. 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 Right. We don't know. Maybe somebody just died. Maybe they, you know, when, when you run into that person who's being, that older person who's very mean, maybe they're alone. It's not you that, that's important. It's the other person. That's renewing of your mind. How you treat other people and how you think of them first and how you understand them. Our natural desire is to think of ourselves, but our renewed biblical desire is to put ourselves last. This is the stuff that Paul's talking about. We're going to be wrapping up here on this. I want to say this. I mean, that, that driving thing was kind of a pretty simple example, but I'm sure it's pointing for us. Listen, loved ones, what Paul's saying to you and I here is not to be conformed to this world. Let me give you one final reason why you and I should not be conformed to this world, and I believe this is the most important reason. And that is because Jesus suffered on the cross. I want you to think about this. To deliver you and I from this world, right? From its power and its influence. He suffered so that you and I could be delivered. I understand that, right? We understand that too. That not only did he suffer to deliver us, not only did he suffer to deliver us, but he put us in this world. Okay? And I'm sorry, but this is where we have to temporarily live. But why? This is the most important reason why we can renew our minds to transform our lives. First off, Christ died and suffered to deliver you, and then he placed you in this world. How many people have ever asked themselves, what's my purpose in life? Here's the purpose. Here is the purpose. So we can go into this world and tell them there is hope. That's right. There you go. That is the purpose of every single created child of God in this planet. I want you to think of it this way. It's like we're living in the enemy camp. And we're living there because we want to tell the enemy. And when I mean enemy, I don't mean like a bad enemy. I mean the opposite of us. We want to tell them. In all of this, there is hope. Amen. There is hope. That is, that's our calling. That is what, that's why we need to be transformed and not conform to the world. And let me say this. Remember what I said. When we conform, the, when we come, when we conform to that world, we become ineffective at our calling. We will become ineffective at our calling. So, that is it for Romans chapter, verses 1 and 2. We will now get through the rest of the book next week. 
Um, but I want you to remember, that's why I did not skip any, word, any words in those first two verses. Because everything there is life-altering, life-changing, and it's also strengthening your walk and your faith. Because we know what it means. And with that, thank you. Chris, I'm glad they let you in the room. Amen. Amazing how good our driving habits get when the chief rolls up in his car.
Philly, we're gonna we're gonna pray real quick and then we can go outside and have a good delicious.